boy's good. It's Vinny's View on the home of the Suns, Arizona Sports. Presented by Revitalize Weight Loss and Wellness. Eat smart, lose weight, keep it off with Revitalize. Proud nutrition partner of your Phoenix Suns. At one point early in last night's game, I glanced down at the stats monitor, noticed a couple things. My first thought was, wow, DeAndre Ayton is on pace for another big night. My second thought, hey, Devin Booker's on early triple-double watch. My first thought turned out to be correct. Ayton was magnificent. In, a, in scoring 30 points and grabbing 14 rebounds in the Suns' 19-point win over Chicago. The second thought was a little bit off. Booker did not get a triple-double, but what he did was even better and certainly more rare. Booker scored 51 points on the Bulls with deadly efficiency and precision. He took only 25 shots, hitting 20. Think about that. He missed only one of his seven three-point attempts, and he didn't live at the free-throw line either, shooting only six freebies, making five. And this man did this without playing a second in the fourth quarter. How rare is this? It's very rare. Booker's outburst was the most points ever scored by a Suns player in the 30-year history of Footprint Center. He joins a small group of players in NBA history to score 50 or more on 25 or less shots in under 32 minutes. That group includes James Harden, Kyrie Irving, Steph Curry, Joel Embiid, CJ McCollum, and now Devin Armani Booker. I can't speak to the details of the other five such performances on that list, but I'd be willing to bet none looked easier than Booker's game last night. Was he even sweating? Did the Suns equipment staff need to wash his uniform after the game? Before Wednesday's heroics, an interview with Booker conducted by Sam Abin was published on the Athletics website. Amick asked Booker about how he sees himself in this year's MVP race after finishing fourth in the voting last season. Booker responded, quote, I'm not even in that race. Yesterday was then. Today is now. Book, lace up those shoes nice and tight and get loose because you're running. Vinny's View is presented by Revitalize Weight Loss and Wellness. Eat smart, lose weight, keep it off with Revitalize. Proud nutrition partner of your Phoenix Suns. Out on top now is Levine for Chicago. Levine passes, picked off by Booker. Here he comes. Whammo! And Booker has scored 50. Al McCoy uh, with the uh, final two of the 51 scored by Devin Booker last night on the Suns Radio Network. And what was just uh, and Lorenzo Alexander in for Bick today. So it was one of those jaw-dropping performances where halfway through you're thinking, am I really watching this live? Am, am, am I seeing what I'm seeing? Because, again, the effortlessness with which Devin Booker performed last night. And that's followed up. You know, on the heels of a 44-point game his right. last time out, um, you know, DeAndre Ayton is the current Western Conference Player of the Week. I think that award's staying close next week because Devin Booker's playing at a different level right now. Oh, yeah. Um, just watching him, you know, kind of throughout the season, it's been like this. It's been like a slow build to this moment. I mean, he's kind of been in his bag and has come out the gate. And what I always enjoy is that he's impacted a game in various ways. And then obviously we know he can score, but it, it just – it just has been building to this moment, and I just want to see him continue to go. And I just love his mentality about how he's attacking this season, how he attacks every game. Um, and so <clears throat> I'm just excited for him. I'm excited for this fo- uh, football team, for this basketball team, especially when we think about the surges of FDA that you just mentioned, yeah. too, and, and what that's going to look like as, you know, obviously CP3 hasn't been playing, Cam Johnson's out. Um, it's only going to make this basketball team better because at this point – 
we know they can dominate the regular season, right? We want to see them know that they can dominate in the postseason. I think by building up DA, the confidence, yes. and obviously booking taking this game to another level, that they're priming themselves to be um, in a position that they want to be. Bick and I talked a lot, and we we tend to do this on this show where we compare what's what's going on with the local franchises, mm-hmm. and on the Cardinal side and on the Sun side, when we're talking about off seasons. The way things ended, there was a lot of similarities. Right. There was a lot of questions. Wow, the Cardinals got blown out on a playoff stage by the Rams in what was by far their worst game of the year. And Kyler Murray, I think, his worst game as a pro quarterback. And then they had a weird offseason to follow it. The Suns get blown out in Game 7 by Dallas in the second round of the playoffs in a, in a, in a game that they didn't even look like themselves. And then they follow that up with a weird offseason. So we talked about all these similarities. Like, where are we with these two franchises? The Cardinals, unfortunately, have followed the trend that was started last year with the weirdness. Yeah. And, and they're, they're, you know, 12 games into this year, it's still a weird situation where people are asking a lot of questions. I'll be honest. I did not expect the Suns to play this well this early with all of the questions and drama right. that they seemingly had. But that's a testament to yeah. the organization and the guys in that locker room. And I'll say this too. <clears throat> I mean, there's a. I mean, you can, we can compare obviously the similarities of the relational, you know, tensions that we observed in the off season. But it's much easier in basketball um, because, to your point earlier, there's less guys, and you're and there's less guys that it takes to impact the results on the field, mm-hmm. right? Because um, Kyler Murray is dependent on a lot of guys in order for him to do his job at yeah. a high level versus D-Book, right? We, he was scoring 70 when when he didn't have anybody around him. Mm-hmm. And so when I think about the Cardinals, you know, four to five, you know, off the starters are out. Hot missed six games. You know, I, I know you're talking about 70 guys have played this year on the active roster, right? They, they just have a lot more things that they're dealing with and it's harder to win because it takes really 22 guys collectively working together where you can have one or two guys locked in on the basketball court and and dominate a game or at least be uh, consistently win games. And obviously D-Book is who he is versus where I think Kyler Murray is at his career as leaders on their team and the pivotal people. I think D-Book is obviously light years ahead. I think having that um, allows them to be in a different place. Also, when we think about, you know, um, uh, Monty and and um, James Jones versus Cliff and Kine, mm-hmm. right? I think the pairing on the Sun side is probably a little bit stronger than what we see with the Cardinals. And I think that helps organizational structure, to your point. And that's why you see... Two teams that experience similar adversity in the offseason be able to have different outcomes and different experiences. Obviously, the sun season isn't over, but different as it looks this early yeah. in, their, in, in their season. Absolutely. Uh, Devin Booker, after the game last night, did an interview with uh, Al McCoy and Tim Kempton on the Suns radio network talking about just the confidence he felt as the game went on. I was confident in him, but at the same time, I mean, I'm getting good looks. Yeah. Um, when I have it rolling like that, you know, the team is looking out for me, the running sets for me. Uh, the big fellas were setting unbelievable screens tonight. And, you know, even with the boxing one defense, I was still getting open looks. So, you know, it helped out a lot. Here's what's amazing, and I, I'm trying to condition myself, so to not pay attention to the people who still cling to their early beliefs on Devin Booker. Because he's always been a scorer. And he was a scorer early in his career, as you mentioned, on bad teams. Right. 70 points, they lose that game. Um, and he still gets crap for the, the, the pose with the 70 in the locker room. Not a lot of guys have done that. There was some truth to it. 
There's still people who claim that they watch basketball who still say, oh, Devin Booker, he's a one-dimensional player. Really? Yeah, there is. And, and and my message for people who get <laughs> triggered by those people, they don't know what they're talking about. Yeah. Devin Booker is a bona fide first-team All-NBA player. He should be a starter in the All-Star game this year. We know how that's determined, so that right. might not happen. Uh, and he's an MVP candidate. He finished fourth last year, and right now... I think it's you know it's very early, yes. But Devin Booker's probably top three in MVP. Luka Doncic yeah. is up there, and Jason Tatum's having an unbelievable year for right, Boston. Yeah. But the starter it, in the All Star game might never happen because it's always going to be Luka and Steph Curry, based on fan voting. Yeah, as long as they keep that fan voting as part of the process, it's going to be hard for Suns players to get in. But he's deserving of it. Of he, course, I mean it's like the Pro Bowl guys know, and for and for Book, you'll hear it. He 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 prefers the the respect from mm-hmm. the guys around the league, and everybody know what type of dog he is. And when you have the top players mention him un uncoerced, not even asking about book, and yep. they bring his name up, right? So everybody knows who he is and, and, and has great respect. And so, um, he is doing all these great things, and it's really cool to watch. And I know, I know they're going to be in the right spot where where they need to be because of his growth. Mm-hmm. Coming up next, uh, Kyler Murray, his uh, fourth year as a starting quarterback in the NFL has not gone according to plan, and a lot of people taking shots at the Cardinals QB. We'll get into that next. It's Bickley and Murata mornings with Lorenzo Alexander sitting in here on this Thursday on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata mornings. We, we didn't finish. You know, we had every opportunity to win that game. Could have controlled it. Um, ended on our terms, and we didn't do it. Um, that's that's pretty much frustration. Skyler Murray, Cardinals quarterback. That was Sunday following a very frustrating one-point loss to the uh, Los Angeles Chargers that sunk the Cardinals record to four and eight. They're headed to their – they're in their bye week now. Uh, a week from Monday, they will host the New England Patriots. Um, and Kyler Murray, you know, he's always been um, under the microscope. Uh, when you have a five ten quarterback, who at one point, you know, coming out of college, though, wasn't really even considered by many to be a pro prospect. There was there was a time where Kyler Murray was like, oh, he's going to be a baseball player, right? And then he had that that year at Oklahoma. He wins the Heisman, decides. Even with weirdness uh, going into the process, decides he's going to play football. The Cardinals get on board, um, and you know, leaving out like the the Patrick Peterson comments, and we'll get back into those later from from his comment uh, from his podcast. Um, I want to get your thoughts. Just an examination of Kyler Murray fourth year. I think all things considered, and and yeah, I, I'm considering all the injuries, and you brought it up in the last segment. The yeah. number of players the Cardinals have had to play this year is off the charts. It's an NFL high. It's well over 70 now at this point in the season. Uh, So things have not gone according to plan. But when you look individually at Kyler Murray, how do you view his development in year four? I I, I think it's been a bad year on him personally. Right. uh, But there's a lot of other things to consider. Yeah, when you think about expectations and being a uh, transcendent player, right, that everybody has the hopes he's been at MVP caliber um, quarterback in the past or been at least in the race and then this year everything has kind of been meh you know Mm kind of lackluster in a lot of ways and so he's going to take criticism for that and so you know the the biggest thing for me especially when you know kind of the history and and, and hear the talks and obviously the, the contract is what has he been doing 
to develop himself. And I'm not talking about, it might have been even you, I, you know, because I listen to you guys' show talking about, and I'm not talking about sitting in there watching 10 hours of a film. Right. You know, but, you know, what is he doing to become a better quarterback, like working with a um, a Jordan Palmer mm-hmm. doing those type of things in the offseason so he can take his game to the next level? Because it has hit up against the wall where there's really been no evolution, no growth um, for from him from the pocket. Right. It seems like it's the same old thing. And if you continue to do the same old thing, defenses and coordinators are just too good, too fast, and they adjust over time. And what are you adding to your bag every single year to allow you to become a better quarterback? And so processing pre-snap reads, okay, I, oh, I see they're in too high. I see that they're in going to be in um, um, three deep. Oh, I see this player, based on what I've seen on film and, and practice and stuff, when he disguises like this, is going to be like this. So anticipation, right? That's where I see his game hasn't grown enough because a game happens too fast for you not to anticipate things. So I know, hey, I'm going to, to hop on this one. I'm going to Hollywood on this one based on the pre-snap read. And that's much like what all the great ones do. Tom, Peyton, Aaron, um, Josh, right? I know where I'm going with the ball. And if things break down and something different happens, then I can use my X factor and my legs to scramble. I'm going to add things and then do those other things. And so I think he hasn't developed the, 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 that processing point that's going to allow him. And you can do that in the film room and on the field just to kind of go through some things. And that's where I think his biggest growth needs to occur beyond, obviously, having great protection, right? Because yeah. there's been some games this, this year where it's just like, my, he don't have time to process because the offensive line isn't blocking. Yeah. Um, I was listening to Burns and Gamble, and they brought up a great point. I, I wondered about this, too. And, you know, we talked about the weirdness of the offseason for the Cardinals. One of the weird things that happened early on was, um, you know, the the statement by Kyler Murray's agent about a contract extension. The Cardinals responded by giving their general manager and their head coach contract extensions. And on this show... We said at the time, hey, I, it's not the right time to do that on the, that front, but it kind of necessitates a contract extension for Kyler Murray. That eventually came. And when Kyler Murray is playing like this and the Cardinals are playing like this, people will go back to that contract complete with the addition and subtraction of the homework clause. Right. But what do you think? If the car, my, my thought going into the season, though, was it's a perfect time for Kyler Murray, especially with the way things ended last year. This is a great show me, a great prove it season for mm-hmm. him. Are you worthy of this contract extension that you and your agent are are after so hard? If they had not done that, based on this year's performance, I don't think Kyler Murray would be getting a contract extension from the Cardinals. No, not I, at all. I think probably. it would be a situation where he's probably going down the franchise tag route because they're buying time to find out exactly what they have. Right. Um, you know, but you always, you know, you always got to play with, okay, well, who we're going to replace him with. Yes. And, and that's the, always the other side of the coin because he is, he does have all the skills and he does have all the tools and you got to figure out what that looks like as far as developing him to, to be that guy. I think the expectation and I don't even know why they fell off last year, but I think the expectation, because it was more about D-Hop not being there, mm-hmm. right? And and he he's not the type of player where he can have just average players go out there and him to be 
special. He mm-hmm. needs talented guys around him, right? Some guys don't. I can make anybody out there look good. And so I think the expectation was that he was going to take that next step, and he just hasn't for various reasons. It's also the expectation we have with him as a number one pick and a quote-unquote special player. And thinking that like if this guy truly is going to be one of those special quarterbacks— by year three or year four, that's when they turn into Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Aaron Rodgers, well, and they Aaron become was con- five. But, he didn't but play, yeah, true, true. <laughs> as a as a starter, though, once you become a starter, yeah, it's usually by year three. If you're special, you show that you're consistently special. And in year that's when three, you take the step, and we keep waiting for him to take the leap well, consistently. In year, in year three, when what what Zoe's talking about, when he had those conditions and players around him, he did look. We special. thought it was yeah. happening and, the first half of last year, and, and there's been th- this four years of Kingsbury and Kyler together has been fascinating because it was, these guys are tied together. Cliff Kingsbury was brought in to fix a quarterback. That quarterback turned out to be Kyler Murray. Developed this quarterback in this offense and here we are in year four and as a po- I think most Cardinals fans look at this situation now and it's not like these guys are tied together it's that they're pointing fingers at one or the other. I mean, right. is, it, is it Kyler's fault or is it Cliff's fault? It, it's such a weird dynamic. Yeah, because you really don't know because you want to see the offense evolve. And so is it Cliff not wanting to evolve it because he's stuck in what he Cliff likes to do? Or is it Kyler not being able to evolve to be able to handle you know, uh, uh, the evolution of the offense, right? Because I know Wolf talks about it all the time, but, you know, when they got to get on the center, you can run the ball a lot easier. Uh, it's just easier to get things done because it slows the defense down. I don't know if you're going left or right. When you're in the gun, I kind of almost can anticipate what side of the ball you're going to run to. Boots, using some of these things um, that his his skill set allows for him to be good at. Uh, you know, having some plays look the same but are different, right? There's no none of that in the offense um, that, it, that I think this team can really benefit from and can execute I mean, because they have the, 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 the skill set to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've said it for well over a year now. I'm, fa- I, I'm long-term fascinated to see what Kyler Murray looks like in a different offense, and I'm fascinated to see what Cliff Kingsbury's offense could look like with a different quarterback. I don't think we'll ever see it. <laughs> no, and, and it matters what quarterback it is, too. Yes. <laughs> you know, yeah. you can't just not roll. just any quarterback. You can't just roll anybody out yeah. there. It's not going to look good at all. That so, yeah, true. we'll see what happens. I don't know. Josh Roshan. Do you know yeah. a high school student with great character <laughs> deserving of a $10,000 scholarship? We want to hear about them and how they make an impact on our community. Just text the word character to 620-620. It's character counts. Share their story. Text character to 620-620. Coming up next, Sarah will take us through the big stories of the day with the Rush Hour Reboot. It's Bickley and Murata mornings with Lorenzo Alexander in for Bick today here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata mornings. Rush Hour Reboot. Rush Hour Reboot. Setting you up to speed on everything happening in sports this morning. Brought to you by Brooklyn Betting. Arizona built for America's dreams. Good morning, everyone. Welcome on into the Rush Hour Reboot here on Bickley and Murata Mornings on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Every single day at 730, we let you know what are the top stories of the day, and we have our guys react to it. No Dan Bickley today. Instead, we've got the Lorenzo Alexander. Hi, Zo. Hey. We've got Vince Murata. My name is Richie Cunningham, and this is my wife, Oprah. <laughs> 
and Jarrett Carlin. Well, Washington's got a good chance to be joining us here <laughs> real soon. <laughs> Excuse me. You all right? <laughs> Get me some oxygen. Better still have about a big shot of Jack. We'll be the I know Jared's been dying to play that sound, and he wow. finally got it in. That was Jerry Jones, <laughs> nearly choking to death on the air. Goodness. For about 30 seconds. That was a dramatic moment when he said something about Washington. I thought we were going to get a Lorenzo Alexander shout-out, but uh, apparently no. not. No. Well, you, no, maybe he was going to, but then he <laughs> but then choked he... on his own saliva like an old man. <laughs> died. Well, I've known to, been known to choke on my own saliva as well, but not quite on that level. Hi, welcome to the Rush Hour Reboot, everyone. Let's talk about Devin Armani. Booker. An absolutely spectacular night for him last night. He went off against the Chicago Bulls in a 132-113 win. Out on top now is Levine for Chicago. Levine passes picked off by Booker. Here he comes. Whammo! And Booker has scored 50. 50. He ended up with 51 on the night in three quarters. He did not play in the fourth. And in that third quarter alone, he scored 26. 20 of 25 from the field, 6 of 7 from 3. He only got to the free throw line six times. He hit five of those shots. Uh, Six assists and a steal as well. DeAndre Ayton, who also had a great night, by the way. 30 points, 14 boards, two blocks. Spoke post-game about what it is like to share the court with Devin Booker on nights like last night. When he does it in those big moments where it actually counts, that's when it's really unbelievable. And like, dang, I'm really on this court with you right now, bro. Keep going, you know? Things like that is, um, you know, kind of a bit uh, unimaginable. But, you know, you see the hard work we put in together. We yell at each other. So, yeah, um, I'm on the court with you. And, you know, we, we're locked in. And, you know, uh, I just try my best to set good screens for that man and, you know, let him handle the rest. Here's Monty Williams as well reacting to how he played last night. And I think the work that he's put in, you can see his body is, is maturing and changing. He's able to take the hits around the basket and finish. Um, that's something that is going to pay off for us as we go forward. The ability to take those hits, finish, go to the free throw line, it allows us to set our defense. But there's not a level or an area on the floor where he can't score the ball. All right, we've already said it a few times on this show this season. Somehow Devin Booker just keeps getting better and better when he's already so good. What differences are you guys noticing in Devin Booker uh, from last season and the season prior to how he's playing this year? For me, it's two things. It's his continued development on defense. I mean, two nights ago, two games ago, he's got six steals against Sacramento in a game where he scores 44 points. And just his effort he's put in on on that uh, side of, uh, of the floor. Last night to get the 51 on a steal and a dunk. I mean, that shows you the development because early in his career, he was not a good defensive player. But for me, more so, uh, it is how he handles the defense is scheming against him. You know, when they're bringing double teams and blitzing him and and how he's handling it, distributing the ball, or even able to to navigate through it and still get his shot is is remarkable. Yeah, I think the decisiveness to to that point, right, Mm -hmm. as far as recognizing the defense, how defenses are attacking him, and really dictating to them uh, whether... 
<laughs> to the same point, not to say the same exact thing, but I'm being very decisive whether I'm going to pass it, I'm going to go score, and it's, and it's immediate versus mm-hmm. being too patient, and then you kind of allow the, the defense to dictate to you. And so that's yeah. been really cool to watch. And then also how he impacts other aspects of the game that don't necessarily end up in the stat sheet. Sure. Um, but, you know, I just love it, especially when somebody pisses him off. I mean, oh, I, I, I love gosh. a mad D Booker. You yeah. know? Oh, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. That's next level right there. Uh, by the way, Kevin Durant took notice last night. He yeah. tweeted, 20 of 25 is bleeping ridiculous Devin Booker. And so, of course, Suns fans had to swarm to the mentions there and uh, be like, this, this could be your teammate, Kevin Durant. Uh, let's get to the Arizona Cardinals. By the way, on that front, and I know it's not a rush hour reboot topic, I'll just Sorry. put this out there and let it let it float, and let it marinate, as DeAndre Ayton likes to say. I'm totally out on the Kevin Durant pursuit. Really? I'm no part of it. Whoa, you can't just drop something like that we'll when get, we only have three minutes left. We'll get back to it. Okay, let's get back to that later. Let's <laughs> now move to the Arizona Cardinals because we got to touch on this. Kyler Murray, he's been he's been catching strays all week long. Emmanuel Acho laid into him a couple days ago. Uh, Ian Rappaport made a couple jokes uh, at his expense. And now we've got Patrick Peterson, his former teammate, coming at him. On his podcast, All Things Covered, P2 called the Cardinals quarterback selfish. Verbally now, vocally, Kyler Murray is talking about, and, and I don't like how he's doing that. I think he should keep some things privately, but it tells me he doesn't care about the head coach, his head coach. And he's putting everything on the head coach, basically saying... Kyler Murray don't care about nobody but Kyler Murray. <laughs> That's just a matter of the fact. Well, well, yeah, well, I, I got to... <laughs> Hey, I can't. I can't argue. The, I don't know him personally. You play. Yeah, it just kind of went like that for ten more seconds. Like, uh, uh, okay. Now, we absolutely have criticized Kyler Murray on this show. No, no stranger to that. But it feels like he's really being piled on right now uh, this week. What does Kyler? have to do the rest of the season five games left to get these harsh critics off of his back i don't know if it can be done in five games this season because i think this season is kind of a lost cause um but my one word answer and i'll follow up on it is respond he responded you know on social media but that's not what i'm talking about right become the player that you were advertised to be And, and zoe you hit on some great points earlier about Development and what are you doing in the off season? And we know that Kyler Murray, you know, he works out in Texas, but you know, there's not a whole lot of details. We've seen other quarterbacks who have hit a point in their career where they're like, "I want to be great. This is what needs to be done." They come back, they they turn in, in, into great quarterbacks, right? Um, so respond. Maybe it's for five weeks, but respond moving forward. Kyler Murray's not going anywhere. No, right. this contract keeps him in Arizona for the next few years. Yeah, at least. Yeah. Um, what are you going to do with those years? It's up to you now. You're you're, you're, you're no longer a novelty in this league. You know, be the quarterback that they're paying you to be. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's just starting to make those little tiny shifts that we may not see, the team may not win, but start becoming the guy you need to be uh, from a leadership standpoint mm-hmm. where guys respond more, and then obviously the little things that's going to allow you to be a better player, which is going to take time. So... If this team can win, you'll get people to back off a little bit if that happens over this last, you know, five weeks of the season for them. But we really won't get to see it until, you know, uh, next season. Uh And if he's made those shifts and has made that pivot and and it started to change and grow, and you can see the fruits on the field. Mm, So he can just start planting those seeds now, and we'll see it by this time next year. Uh, You mentioned, Vince, that Kyler Murray literally responded on Twitter. Uh, He responded to the quote, Kyler Murray doesn't care about anybody but Kyler Murray. And he wrote... This isn't true. You're on some weird stuff. 
at P2. <laughs> you have my number. If you really felt like this as a quote-unquote big bro or mentor, you're supposed to call me and tell me, not drag me so your podcast can grow. <laughs> oh! It's kind of like he's throwing Pat P's gripe with Steve right back in his face. Like, hey, man, you just talked about you being so upset with Steve, not calling you and letting you know what's going on. Why are you not doing the same thing without, yeah, without saying it, right? You know, that's almost kind of what that sounds like. If you got a problem with me, call me. The same thing like Pat P's asking Steve Cobb to do. Absolutely. Yeah, so next time the Cardinals play a team that uh, Patrick Peterson's on, we can get the sound bites on the field of Kyler Murray going, where you at? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Why don't wow. you call me back? Yeah. <laughs> Goodness. Uh, thank you, Sarah. Yeah, That's the Rush guys. Hour Reboot every morning at 7.30. Coming up next, we'll talk to Evan Booker. We'll talk Phoenix Suns. We'll talk NBA. Jake Fisher, senior NBA writer for Yahoo Sports, joins us next here on uh, Bickley and Murata Mornings. Lorenzo Alexander in for Bick today on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata Mornings. Edition of Bickley Murata Mornings live from the Oxygen Community Studios. Lorenzo Alexander sitting in for Bick today. Uh, we saw some history last night at Footprint Center. Devin Booker going off in the latest Suns win 51 points in three quarters. Here to talk uh, Suns and NBA with us is a writer from uh, Yahoo Sports. Jake Fisher joins us here on the Arizona Sports Line. Good morning, Jake. How you doing? Thank you guys for having me. Doing well. I, I also, I, before we get started, I noticed the uh, name of your podcast. Please don't aggregate this, and I got a good <laughs> chuckle out of that name. Does that work? Does the title no, prevent the not. aggregation? <laughs> I, I, I did that because it's funny to see on a blog or whatever, you know, <laughs> someone said on the please don't aggregate this podcast. It, it's very tongue-in-cheek and, and uh, silly to me. <laughs> it's very funny. Um, Devin Booker goes off last night, 51 points in uh, just under 31 minutes. Suns beat the Bulls. They're rolling right now. I mean, just big picture, generally speaking, what can you say about the continuous development of Devin Booker and, and his career? You know, on Tuesday, I started getting back on the phone and calling on the league, trying to find out some trade chatter, and there really hasn't been anything new this week, and I always notice what kind of trends I hear when there, there's an absence of, of the rumors and the intel, and honestly, even before the 51-point game, after what he did against uh, Sacramento on Monday night, I've just heard a lot of people start to talk about how this, this losing player that's like hasn't done it in the playoff label that got affixed to Booker, I think has clearly melted away amongst the eyes of people on the league who are watching. And this guy is just kind of, I mean, to me, he's my, I, I don't really like the awards culture and the debate around it, but to me right now, he's the MVP of the league doing what he's doing, keeping Phoenix number one in the West without Chris Paul, without Cam Johnson, without Jay Crowder. Um, I mean, the, the guy's just, just a stone-cold scorer, and he's a professional, and he's getting it done on the, on the, 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 the excuse me, the defensive side of the ball, too. So um, he, he's really, I think, uh, turned a lot of naysayers into supporters. Yeah, we were talking about that that subject earlier. Uh, not necessarily among the league and, and those who follow the league, because you're right. Those that stigma was on Devin Booker for a long time as a stat stuff or empty calorie guy on a bad team. My frustration is with with the fans who just won't acknowledge it. They got stuck on you know the early perception they had of Devin Booker, and even when he has games like that or has back to back forty point games in the NBA Finals, there's this seeming refusal among some Jake to to, to recognize. Devin Booker about what he's become. 
it's it's a challenge, I think, for players and coaches and executives and fans alike to shift a mindset about a player, about a group of players, about a team. When you do go into a tanking, rebuilding purgatory for a few years, and I mean, we look at even Minnesota right now, where Anthony Edwards still has his obvious struggles, despite his obvious strengths and ability to be an all-star caliber player. Like he's still only 22, so I think in a world now where Luca comes in at 19 years old and does what he's doing, and Zion's an all-star at, at you know 20 years old and putting up historic numbers, like there's an expectation that these guys need to be finished products by the time they're 21, and then all of a sudden in a couple of years you look up at someone like Booker and Jason Tatum, who is probably the biggest competition right now for that MVP award. Like, I think we need to start understanding that you can get better from 21 to 24. Like, it doesn't sound like that crazy of a concept, but I think people are so quick to attach a label and a judgment onto someone before they've really become like a functioning adult, let alone even entered their prime as an NBA player. Yeah, so, Jake, how was that applied to D.A. as well, right? There's been a lot of expectations. Obviously, he's a younger guy and his growth, right? The stigma around who he is and over the last, you know, five or six games, especially after that Pat Bev shove, he's made a shift, it looks like, in his play and his dominance. What is the stigma around the league? Has that shifted or mindset around the league? Has that shifted about who he is? And would he be, you know, a part of a potential trade, you know, around the trade things? That was a big conversation here in the Valley in the offseason. Yeah, obviously when he's the number one pick in the draft and you take him over Luka and then you decide to not give him an early bird extension heading into last season, that's going to cast a pall over any player. And it did all throughout last year. And obviously he lingered on the periphery of free agency for several weeks until the Indiana uh, offer sheet came. And even still, even once he signs and he comes back, you're right, there's absolutely still speculation that you know, maybe Phoenix doesn't necessarily want to pay him that money. And he's not trade eligible for a bit, and he'll then have um, basically a no-trade clause. I believe it's for a year um, through when the, the contract got signed. So that is something people still are you know, whispering about behind the scenes, if you will. But I do think the fact that he has really emerged as this strong number two, as a guy who's doing it on both sides of the floor. And him and Booker seem to have only a developing and growing synergy together. That's that's important, too. That might be the most important thing of all. Those two guys like playing with each other are effective playing with each other and are doing it at this high level. I mean, right now we're, we're basically, you know, a quarter of the way through a third straight season of Phoenix being one of the top two records in the Western Conference, one of the top records in the league. That's not something to, to, to sniff at. Yeah. Jake Fisher from Yahoo Sports, our guest here on the Arizona Sports Line. You mentioned earlier, Jake, uh, your intel that you're doing uh, on maybe some trade movement around the league. And I know some ears perked up in Phoenix because there's a lot of people that are waiting on the Jay Crowder deal. Strange situation. We're two weeks away from the December 15th date on the calendar where a lot of players become trade eligible and six weeks away from January 15th. Might this drag on until after January 15th from what you've been able to find out? It might. I, I think there's someone told me this way back in September, or I, I guess early October when I first wrote about 
like a, a whole story just about the Crowder situation at Yahoo, and they said to me that you know maybe, and this is someone from another another team, maybe Phoenix just has a deal in the books that they're comfortable with for a player that you know this is a hypothetical, but someone like Victor Oladipo, where Miami. We all know at this point is is certainly a team that is interested in Jake Crowder. He was with the Heat in the finals before we went to Phoenix. He only signed in Phoenix because the three-year, $30 million deal that the Suns gave him was something that Miami was unwilling to, and that's the same contract he's looking to get right now. So Victor Oladipo, who signed back with the Heat, who hasn't really been playing much kind of nursing injury situations, He's someone who becomes trade eligible on December 15th. So hypothetically, if the Suns have something like that already on the books, or not on the books, but on the table that, that, that they would like, but they're just waiting for that to happen, I mean, clearly they're not going to move him to a team like Milwaukee or Atlanta if they don't get a package back that they find better or equal to something like that. Again, I'm not saying that in the spirit of my podcast title, I'm not saying that the old people <laughs> thing is on lock. I'm saying that type of move, Either that exists, that is something the Suns are aware they have coming down the pipeline, or they truly just in general haven't had a deal from any of those teams we mentioned um, really get them excited about a return because they clearly don't need Jay Crowder back. They're the number one team in the West right now. So they are being patient and they're holding out to get a player that they truly believe is going to impact their postseason, you know, rotation. So Grayson Allen hasn't done that for them, clearly. I mean, any John Collins or any package that the Hawks could have come together with, you know, that hasn't happened yet. So at this point, the only thing I can say pretty definitively is right now, it does seem like the most likely outcome is Jake Crowder departing by way of a three-team trade because if there was a, two, a direct two, two-team two situation that made sense for all sides, it would have happened by now. Yeah. Jake Fisher from Yahoo Sports, our guest. Before we let you go, you mentioned the Suns are on top of the Western Conference, but it's been a weird 20-game start or so in the West because you got 11 teams separated by four and a half games. When do we start seeing some drop-off, or do you think this could be like a season-long logjam in the Western Conference? Yeah, I think that's part of why the trade activity around the league is kind of muted, too, because so many teams are, are, are waiting and thinking, oh, if we just win five of six games, we just go on a run that Phoenix is going on right now, we can establish ourselves to where we think we should be. You know, the Nets, I was just at the Nets game against the Wizards last night in Brooklyn, and they're putting on a little bit of a streak here. Like, mm-hmm. they think. You know, now we've got KD and Kyrie back and Ben Simmons is out again, but who knows? Like, all these teams from one all the way down to the Lakers, I believe they're 13th still in the West right now. They've gone on a bit of a streak. They're all holding and clutching their pearls that, that they'll be able to take a step forward and then then they'll be more motivated to try to go be a buyer as opposed to a seller, to Pat, whatever. So I do think that it could be a situation where we're stuck like this for a while and Maybe this is just where the league is at right now. There's so much talent in the NBA where you've got, I mean, a couple of years ago, you know, there wasn't Devin Booker and Jason Tatum and Luka Doncic and uh, the Cavaliers now have Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland. And you go down, the like, there's just a lot of young teams, a lot of young talent to compare against the Steps and the KDs and the Giannis's and the LeBron and the established veteran guys. So um, maybe this is just where the NBA is at right now where 
we kind of got misled in the last decade where it was just LeBron and the Warriors basically in the finals for eight years. We might just kind of be in a new era where it might change and you know, everything is cyclical in this league and in all leagues. But for now, from my perspective and from people I've spoken with, it kind of seems like everyone's prepared for this type of parity, or maybe not so deadlocked, but something where there isn't just an obvious champion every year mm-hmm. to kind of be the case for, for the next coming season. Jay, great stuff. Uh, really appreciate the time and the insight, and I'll apologize, but you did say Devin Booker is your MVP at this point, so you're probably going to get aggregated by our website. There you go. There you go. <laughs> I, will, I, will, I will wear that like a badge of honor. <laughs> Thanks. Jake, hopefully we can talk again soon. Thank you so much. You got it. Take care, guys. Jake Fisher from uh, Yahoo Sports joining us on the Arizona Sports Line with a lot of good stuff there. Coming up next, Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray. They've been targets since they first got together with the Arizona Cardinals, but, man, not like this. We'll get into it next. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings. Lorenzo Alexander in for Bick today here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.